This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. HIV is still an issue in Montgomery County. The more open we're able to talk about HIV, we treat it like any other health prevention. PrEP stands for pre-exposure prophylaxis. People who are not HIV positive who may be at high risk for contracting the disease. This is a good choice for you. It's just a way for you to sort of take control and say, I'm going to do this to protect myself. Do it for them. Do it for you, Montgomery County. Learn more about PrEP, the HIV prevention medication. Visit doitforyoumc.org. Hey everyone, Scott Hansen here from NFL Red Zone. I hope you're checking out one hour of Five Yard Rush, one of the best podcasts on NFL football in the UK. Yo, what's happening, Rush Nation? We're back. I think it's Tuesday. Isolation has properly kicked in in Stocks' household. 61 square meters shared with my 18-month-old and wife is proving a challenge. Luckily, we do live on a river, so we can walk along the towpath to get our one hour's exercise. But I'm not going to lie, Rush Nation. Being an outdoor man, this is starting to tickle a little. <laughs> but today, it's me and Murph as always. This could possibly be our only show this week because of corona and stuff going on. Finding timings to get together a little difficult because Murph is still working and I'm on full-time daddy daycare. But I am joined by Murph today. Big man, how you doing, fella? I'm good. Uh, this is day nine of self-isolation um, where my wife had developed a cough. We don't, we're pretty confident it's not COVID and she's not got any of the other symptoms, but we followed the 14 day advice, although I did pop out to just the shops today um, just to get a few essential items. Um, but other than that, it's the only time I've left the house in, in nine days, um, which I was dealing with quite well because I've been at home now four weeks and it's been fine until the little rascal that is my eight month old son has been the, uh, been a bit of a handful today for the wife and so upstairs will be on a call with a client and you just hear this screaming yeah, <laughs> oh, yeah. what's that and I was like ah oh, just ignore that don't worry <laughs> <laughs> no I was more I was more playful than that it's fine I just said uh, 
That's just my son. He's probably hungry or something. If he takes after his dad, um, he's probably hungry. Uh, clients like it. So it's all good. Like I said, at least I'm still working and I, I have a purpose every day. So um, it's hard work, but it's good. So, but it's enough about what our situations. They're not going to change much over the next month, two months, however long this goes on for. But we do have a really special guest today. I'm I'm super excited for. Oh, straight up. Well, you said stuff that isn't going to change too much over the next coming weeks. Something that is going to change is the NFL rookies. The draft is imminent. It's upon us. You've dropped mocks. I've dropped mocks. Everybody's dropping mocks all over the place. It's what the people want. So we're feeding them every day. But we thought, well, who knows the draft better than well, pretty much anyone. So we've got the co-host of the Locked On NFL Draft podcast and senior draft analyst with the Draft Network. It's Benjamin Solak. Benjamin, welcome to Five Yard Rush, buddy. How are you doing? I'm doing well, guys. I appreciate y'all having me on. It's cool stuff. Appreciate you coming on. It's uh, it's a real honor and pleasure. Uh, been reading your content uh, a lot um, ever since you started, really, with with the draft network and when it began. So, uh, you guys do an amazing job, and the podcast is amazing. This is a a real sort of a fan favorite for me. No, I'm glad to hear it. And yeah, I mean, like we, you know, this is our second draft we get to cover. Nobody really told us it was going to be virtual reality by year two but here we are already uh so we're just kind of rolling with the punch as best we can it's 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 been a wild ride it's always a crazy draft season we're just excited to keep doing good stuff yeah no, absolutely and you've really raised the bar this year i didn't think it would get much better than last year but you know you guys are really really killing it the mock draft machine is incredible the the subscriber content is is unreal it's so so good and um it's definitely the best 30 bucks i've spent this year hey i'm glad to hear i'm glad you've enjoyed it man that makes me happy to hear yeah no it's it's awesome and i pass on my thanks to jc jc was on this podcast last year and as a fellow bucks fan we uh we nerded out a bit and yeah, you guys are killing it and setting the standard thanks man how are you doing with isolation benjamin yeah no i mean like it's funny when you uh when you cover the draft February, March, and April are isolation months, whether or not you want them to be. You know what I mean? Just kind of choice taken away from you. There's too many players to watch, too much work to do, and, and film to get through. So you know, always working from home for me, like it's it's pretty standard. Uh, you know, I I only pretty much go out for groceries now, and before that, I was pretty much only going out for groceries then anyway. So you know, it, it's <laughs> it's a lot of it. I'm pretty used to. It's funny to see everybody kind of pop out with their their work from home tips uh, when this all got started. Because I was like. My work from home tip is is do it. That's, <laughs> that's what I do. Uh, you know, I got many tips for it. I just am used to it by this point. Uh, so yeah, it's pretty standard for me. So essentially, if you didn't have a news notification on your phone or ever turn on the television to see the news, it would just be standard living for you. Well, yeah, no. So my well, my my it's funny because my wife produces uh, local news here where we live, and so she comes home every day, and she is like, hey, this is what's happening. I'm like, oh, that's that's interesting. I wouldn't know that if you weren't here. Like, oh, the governor talked. That's nice. Like, I just, you know, I got <laughs> super shut off. Um, so, yeah, so she keeps me locked in on the day-to-day, which is helpful. Where's uh, where's home, Benjamin? I'm in uh, southwest Michigan, in a little town called Kalamazoo. Nice. I've always wanted to go to Ann Arbor. I have been to Michigan, um, but I've never made it to to Ann Arbor it's definitely something I, I want to do uh, at some yeah, point the big house is something else man it's a good experience yeah no I'm desperate to do it one day um probably should have done that before I had kids <laughs> <laughs> but maybe I'll find an excuse luckily I have an office in the U.S. and uh I might just uh take detours when I'm over there they're in New York so I might just fly places and go do what I want to do yeah no I mean like I, I can't speak to traveling the U.S. For, as, a, as a first timer but Michigan's a pretty state 
No, it's awesome. I, I said I've been there. So I've actually been to most U.S. states. I lived nice. in the U.S. for six years. And um, before uni, me and a few mates, we did a bit of a road trip there and uh, kind of extended and extended and extended. Mm-hmm. And before you knew it, it was uh, about three and a half months. That's awesome. I'm like, yeah, I've, you've probably been in more states than me then, to be frank. <laughs> yes, but I don't say I've, I've done many of them well. So I yeah, do right. like to try and pop back and uh, and do some, but I still have some friends and, and lucky enough I can uh, hop on sofas uh, whenever I get a, a cheap flight. So um, I do plan to, to get to Tampa this year and to definitely plan to get to New York. Well, it obviously depends what happens. It might be next year, but yeah, right. So Benjamin, how did you become a draft enthusiast? What was it about the draft that hooked you so bad? Yeah, I think the draft is 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 one of the best, if not the best way, to learn about the game of football just period, right? Like I think that that as the players transition from college to pro, if you're going to understand which players are good, if you're going to try to figure out which which players you want on your team, you're going to have to understand something fundamentally about how football is played both at the college level and at the pro level. And then beyond those fundamentals, you start to get into specifics. And as is always the case with with learning and discovery, you come to learn one thing and then you realize there's two more things you didn't know right so I think that like I initially got into uh, you know I was I was covering sports I was working in Eagles beat uh, I was you know doing um uh just covering Philly sports but once the season ends you start covering the draft and every year I that became more and more of a focus of mine until eventually I was doing the draft full-time and I mean it's it's getting paid money to watch football players it doesn't get much better than that absolutely yeah it's like the dream job yeah it's pretty good <laughs> yeah we have a good time with you living up in michigan who's your nfl team uh so i i, I grew up in eastern pennsylvania so i'm a big eagles fan like i said i was working in philadelphia media before i started doing the draft beat uh so that, that that's my team and then i ended up in michigan because of school and whatever and whatnot but eagles are the eagles of the squad we, we had another eagles fan on recently murph didn't we brian drake yes he had an yeah. eagles christmas tree do you have an eagles christmas tree bender in no, I got a couple ornaments, uh, but not a whole tree. That's impressive. <laughs> He's got a whole tree full of orna- uh, ornaments in his man cave. And yeah, um, <laughs> it was quite a lot. And then we also have Ross Tucker on and he he obviously does the pre-games for the Eagles. So we've done quite yeah, a bit. Yeah, Ross is the man. Yeah, he is. He's uh, he's an awesome, awesome guy. What do you, in terms of then the, the Eagles, and I take it you, you, went, to, you went to Michigan. How, how I mean... How how difficult is it for you in NFL season? Because you've got you've got Michigan, you've got um, the Eagles. It's, it, I know they're different days, but do you find you because of what you do, you draw more to the college boys? Like, well, what happens with the Eagles? Bam, this is what happens when the college season's over. I'll just sort of tune in and see what happens. Or are you like as religious a fan of the Eagles as you are watching college games and, and things like that? Yeah, so I I actually went to University of Chicago. Oh, okay. which is yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, so. But for me, right, Saturday's a work day, Sunday's a fun day, right? So Saturday, uh, you watch football, and then the objective is to get an eye on all the games, get an eye on all the prospects, be able to comment throughout the week on how players performed. I watch those games differently than I watch the Eagles. I watch the Eagles, obviously, with that still in mind, uh, you know, because I, I, I have to watch the game from that sort of analytical break-it-down perspective. With that said, you know, I uh, – I have a lot more passion for them. I grew up rooting for them as a child, so I get unreasonable about them the way any other fan would. So it's a different watching experience, I feel like. Yeah, it's awesome. Mm-hmm. So um, based on that, do you uh, do you get hooked into fantasy football as well uh, on Sundays? Or 
I'm so bad at fantasy. I'm the worst. <laughs> and it's so here's the thing. If you this is what I tell people, if you are doing if you're working from a draft perspective, draft perspective is the complete opposite of the fantasy perspective. The fantasy perspective is okay, it doesn't matter how actually talented this dude is, it doesn't matter how he runs his routes, it doesn't matter how strong his hands are, what his contested catch ability is like. Does he get targets? Does he get volume? Does he get catches? Are they down the field? Does he score points? Does he get touchdowns? Whereas draft work is, okay, it doesn't matter if he scores points. It doesn't matter if he's getting catches or targets. It doesn't matter if they're throwing him the ball and where they're throwing him the ball in the red zone on third down. What are his routes like? What's his contested catch ability like? What's his hands, right? So one's trades-based and one's results-based. And obviously there's overlap. Players with good traits end up having good results. That's what we believe. Um, but, but the players that I think are good because I scouted them, may not be used by their teams in a way that's conducive to fantasy, but because I think they're good because I scouted them and I thought they were good, I end up thinking they're good in fantasy and they're not. So I'm really bad at fantasy. So I play it like for fun with friends, but it is not my, my area of expertise at all. How did you get on last season? It's a, I, I won the uh, TDM Fantasy League, which nobody yeah. anticipated. I got, I got Lamar and, and McCaffrey, and then I didn't do anything for the rest of the year. Uh, so I got, <laughs> I got my guys. I love Lamar. Uh, so I was happy with that. I got Chris Godwin as well. I picked him in front of Trev just to be annoying. Oh. Uh, and then, yeah, Godwin turned out to be pretty good. So, yeah. So that, that, was, that was a good run. Um, besides that, I didn't finish significantly for anybody in, in any league. I think I'm in like two or three. Um, but I won the TDN one, so I get to hold that over staff. That's amazing. So who who's in that then? That's like that's everybody that's on the uh, the content team staff, and then we have a couple people who do our our fantasy staff that are in that as well, like Paige and and, and Jake and Jamie. Rob, our <laughs> creative guy, was in there. Um, so yeah, I think I, I played Joe in the finals, beat him. Oh, nice. Played play Kyle in the semis, beat him. Yeah, so pretty good time. Oh wow, Paige must have been really annoyed being the fantasy expert. Oh, yeah, stuff. right. That was the thing is, is we were like, y'all shouldn't be doing this because if y'all lose, it's gonna be real bad. Uh, <laughs> especially to me, who self admittedly is not good at fantasy whatsoever. So, um, yeah, it, it was a win though. Win's a win. Oh, I love that. So Murph, why don't you uh, explain the UK fans mock draft we did and how Benjamin's gonna break it down? Uh, yeah, so we pulled in about fifty folks here. So um, we did a, a live mock draft uh, with Paul Brown and he uh, he hosted it at the Hippodrome last year we had a load of fans and we've used the TDM mock machine and, and sent you guys some pictures so obviously with it not being possible to do that this year um took it upon myself to to do a a host a, a virtual mock draft um which we posted all the picks on on Twitter on a separate handle but we retweeted all of them on on, on our handle Got about 50 fans, so some people had two GMs, some people only had one GM, and effectively we went through and did an entire seven-round mock in, and we did it in 10 days. It went pretty quickly. I thought it would slow down a lot in the later rounds, but actually they would say they went a lot faster in the middle rounds. I think people kind of knew at that stage who they kind of wanted, so um, it was amazing to see that that kind of knowledge. So um, I guess uh, from this perspective, it'd be good to hear, because I picked for the Bucks. Uh, stocks picked for the the Broncos. Unless and unless the... it was really bad, and then I didn't pick for the Broncos. <laughs> right, yeah. um, well, you had a co-GM. He just um, he just went AWOL. He was my <laughs> silent partner. <laughs> so it, yeah, the literal sense of silent partner. We didn't hear from him for the whole draft. And then Lee our sort of um, AV guy. He um, he picked for the Dolphins, a passionate Dolphins fan. And Ash is one of our writers. He picked for the Steelers. So based on we'll start with those four because you can actually publicly shame us for our picks and 
and how we did. What, what were your sort of first views of, first of all, the overall draft and how each of us got on? Yeah, no, it was, it's really cool to see. Like, the 32-team controlled everybody individually with the team. Going through a mock is a ton of fun. And, like, you know, with, with, with trades available and, and using the simulator, it's sick. So this, this is the cool stuff. This is the stuff we geek out about. Uh, so I like it a lot. Um, Miami, the trade-up to Tua makes sense. I think it's, it's if you want to, it's something you might have to do. Um, it hurts to lose 26. That's a good pick, especially when 18 is Josh Jones. I'm not a big Josh Jones fan at all. Um, the, the, the value in day three is nice. I think Tyler Biotish is appropriately drafted. Michael P. Ryan, I like Alex Highsmith a fair bit. With, with the amount of capital that Miami's coming into the draft with, especially in the early rounds, for you to rock out with Tua, Josh Jones, and Antoine Winfield, is a, it hurts, right? You, that, you look like you can get a lot more. So there's a lot of eggs in Tua's basket uh, for Miami. But it's what needs to be done if you're going to secure the guy. Uh, Tampa with a big trade back from 14 to 25 uh, because there are no, none of the top tackles on the board. It's bold. It's risky. You go and you grab A.J. Epinesa, who I think like, is going to be interesting in terms of Todd Bowles rushing him sub-package-wise. I think that, that that could be fun. I know that the point was made that he replaces Carl Nassib, which is a good point. Uh, they've obviously poured a lot of resources into that defensive line, and I think Epinesa still has a role there, which is good. Once you make that Epinesa pick, though, you're up against it with making sure you get an offensive tackle, making sure you get a running back, and making sure you get a wide receiver three. And that was well done. Lucas Nyang at 45 is great. Jonathan Taylor at 46 is great. And then Quinn DeCepas at 161 is a good pick. Um, so I like the way Tampa approached it. Even though you had to have that trade back, you didn't get the offensive tackle in round one. They were, you were able to scramble, which was good. Pittsburgh, I think it sucks. You don't have any capital, right? You don't have any any anything to really parlay with. You struggle to make moves. I know they moved back uh, to grab a couple of, of later round picks according to the, the little trade table. Damon Arnett at 49 is good value. Jalen Hurts, like the, the thing about Jalen Hurts is, is he better than Mason Rudolph? Probably. Is he good enough to like be a starter? Probably not. And so you didn't really solve your problem. You just introduced another body to the mix that you're, you know, <laughs> going to debate with Devlin Hodges and, 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 and Mason Rudolph and I with Jalen Hurts as well. You've kind of just got a lump of guys who might be, but probably aren't. And that's, that's being stuck in purgatory. And then like the Moss and Bocha picks make sense on day three. I think Moss is probably going to go a bit earlier than that. So it's nice to get in there at 124. Um, who was the last one? Denver? Yeah. Yeah, Denver. Hey. This was a good draft. This was an impressive draft. I think that obviously everybody expects and wants to see a wide receiver, one of the top three guys, end up in Denver. That was impossible relative to how the board fell here. So you go after it and you grab Javon Kinlaw, who makes a ton of sense. For, uh, for Vic Fangio being a penetrating three technique, being a guy who can two-gap with his length. Uh, you didn't get that wide receiver, so you come back and double-dip Chase Claypool and Tyler Johnson. I think they're looking for a field stretcher. and You probably don't have a real field stretcher between the two of those guys, uh, but that's okay. I think that they're both appropriately drafted for their talent level. I like Tyler Johnson a fair bit. I love the attention on the offensive line. Three, four picks on the offensive line. Lloyd Cushenberry, Shane Lemieux, and, uh, and Justin Heron's a personal favorite. I don't think Trey Adams is going to stick in the league. I think he's too banged up. But I think you're looking at potential starters in Cushenberry and then definitely a depth guy in, in Justin Heron and Shane Lemieux as well. And the Harrison Hand at 181 is great. I freaking love Harrison Hand. He's a really nice developmental corner. Fangio gets a lot out of those guys who can be physical in off-man coverage. So I'd say Denver's probably my favorite out of this group. Um, none of them were bad, bad. Uh, Denver just, I think they had a good thumb on the pulse for what that team, what that coaching staff likes. Nice. 
That's a massive shock to me, if I'm really brutally honest. Stokes is the one guy who claims he doesn't like watch a lot of uh, college ball. He he's actually still going through the process of picking uh, a team. Listen, but sometimes distance helps. Like you know what I mean. Like it's it's important to be able to, especially if you're not like an experienced scout and you don't like do it all the time. You don't want to be too close to these guys because you want to be able to take expert opinion and think about things in new ways. You know what I mean? Like like. we when we get these this deep into prospects it's easy to miss like pretty clear fits and pretty clear predilections like you get too close to it you miss the force for the trees so doesn't surprise me nah he did he did really well i yeah i I thought my initial pick of javon kinlaw was good considering one of the big three wasn't there receiver wise and then i did i had a little bit of help at corner from murph i'm not i you know I'm going to put a transparency out there. I, I, it was late and I didn't know who to go for. And Murph said Hand was the guy. So I, I grabbed him. Yeah, Murph was right. Yeah, Murph, Murph generally is right most of the time, if I'm honest, um, <laughs> which stings a little. But the fact he helped me makes makes it better. And um, yeah, this is the first year I've probably dived into players in the draft because of writing for our website and stuff. I've had to take a bit more of a deeper look. So I'm learning name names every day and... It's a really good. Pro- I think it's a really good process just to look into the names, even just for fantasy football. When you just look at the offensive side of the ball, unless you're playing IDP, but just to get the names coming in, you know, it's, it's good to learn the names. And somebody might not draft them in your league, and you might be able to pick them up, thinking, "Well, actually, I I, I read a bit of his draft preview and and liked the way they were talking about him, and nobody's grabbed him, so maybe he might be something late on." But you never know. I I couldn't agree more with that. I think you know. I'm lucky enough I went to university in the States. I kind of got to live the the college experience. And I think that's a much easier way to get involved. It's harder over here, I think, to stay involved because the games are so late, especially the good ones. Um, games here, like the, the typically the, the sort of showpiece games will either be like midnight or, you know, even later. So it's, right. it's quite difficult to to follow it then if you've got the NFL season going on well, as well, you, know, you think, okay, that's fine. That's Saturday and then Sunday you're staying up for Sunday night football that kicks off at 1am. And then if you're playing, staying up watching Monday night football, that's another one o'clock. So it's three days in a row. Um, but we do have a ESPN player over here. That makes it a lot easier to watch games retrospectively on commutes and things like that. So, And, and college game day is that's the, pretty much the main thing we see on ESPN over here because of the time difference. And even college game day is a whole load of fun. Just watching that for a few oh, hours. It's great. Um, it's great for me because there's always an SEC game in there as an SEC guy. So. <laughs> <laughs> but um, no, it's good good to hear the the breakdowns. But I, I as a Tampa fan did want to trade up, um, but people weren't taking my calls to uh, to allow me to trade up to get that offensive line. So um, I hope that it falls very differently in uh, in a few days' time. Yeah, right. Three three weeks' time. Uh, as long as we get one of the big four, I'd be happy with that. I mean, I heard Scott Reynolds today. Uh, took Mackay Becton on on your pod, and uh, that would be the dream if that happened. That'd be over the moon. Yeah, Mackay Becton, any of the four tackles, but Becton at 14 particularly is really exciting because Becton's a high floor dude because you can't be that big and be bad. Just don't happen. It's, you're too hard to get around physically. So I like, uh, I, I, like I said, I think not going off to tackle it in the first round for Tampa is ballsy. But if you're able to get Lucas Yang in the second, that's all right. Yeah. It, it was kind of the way that the board went and mm-hmm. I didn't like anyone at 14 enough to take them at 14. Um, so it was, I appreciate that. 
let's um so based on what you have seen with some of the other teams who do you think did really uh well with their capital or creating extra extra capital who's kind of draft stand out uh my favorite draft is buffalo i don't know who did buffalo's but they knocked out of the park in my opinion uh Dobbins at 54 is great value. That's my running back one. Uh, and, and I think Taylor and Clyde Edwards-Alaire are, are right up there, but Dobbins is my preferred. Um, I think they need a bell cow. I think you want Devin Singletary to be a change base guy. Michael Ojemudier Michael is probably my favorite tier three corner uh, that we got. And he's a lot of what Sean McDermott likes in that he's really clever. He's intelligent. He's got great vision. He's going to be good with his eyes in the backfield, even when he's in press and he has the tools to do that. Khalid Kareem makes a ton of sense for what McDermott's been successful with. They just brought in Mario Addison. He's so good with those bigger defensive ends, 265-plus pound guys, which is Kareem's style. Antonio Gibson is my pet cat. Like, he's my dude. I don't like anybody better than like this kid. I mean, ridiculously explosive. Uh, uh, rack skills, yak skills for days, ton of contact balance, offensive weapon, return value is great. Colt McKivitz, I don't like that pick, but whatever. James Prochet at 207 is awesome. I think that, that gives you a good slot option other than Cole Beasley. Uh, and Prochet can play out wide as well because he's a good route runner. He releases nicely. Robert Landers at 239 is crazy value relative to what I have on the board. He's a rotational guy, but that's what they need. It's more rotation on the defensive line. Uh, and he's solid across the board. And then Cole McDonald at 248 is just for fun. You know what I mean? Like, it's it, – McDonald's absolutely freaking nuts. Like, he's probably not going to stick on the roster because he's done take care of the football. But his arm talent's insane. He's a lot of fun, but you're talking about giving Buffalo a core of Dobbins, Ojemudie, Kareem, and Gibson. That's pretty much a Ben Solak draft right there. So Buffalo was, was my favorite draft in terms of uh, the value they put out. I was impressed with what Green Bay did. I thought that they did relatively well. I thought the Rams and the Patriots both did a good job with their limited capital, but Buffalo takes a crown for me. Nice. I was going to say there'll be some, some people listening to this that'll be pleased. I know um, the Ram, the guy who drafted for the Rams is actually a Bucks fan. Uh, we couldn't find a Rams fan um, for days <laughs> as much as I tried. Uh, so um, he watches a lot of uh, college and he was desperate to get some additional picks and, and he spent re- worked really hard on that draft. So I'm pleased for him that you liked his draft because it's hard when you don't have a first and uh, not much else. Right, yeah, and I think that like the way that this this draft is built, Curtis Weaver at eighty four is a weird body type. Uh, Sadiq Charles at one hundred nine has got off field issues. Julian Blackman at one twenty six is a is a corner transfer to safety, maybe transfer back to corner. Uh, one ninety nine, Davian Taylor has only been playing college ball at power five level for two years, only played football together for about five years. There are a lot of really uncertain dudes, but when you have no first round pick this year and next year and you have no third round pick and whatever you got to swing for the fences a little bit on the picks you do have you got to take the top guy on the board even if they don't fit a mold or a profile that's a lot of these guys and and so you're going to get a bust here and there but you don't have high enough capital draft safe so i think it's also as appropriate just for the rams where they are from a team building perspective no i agree so so based on that then let's flip it to the other side who are some teams that you feel really dropped the ball here for whatever reason and and didn't have uh as good a draft as perhaps they could or should have done yeah i i struggled to get behind the the uh cardinals draft i like jedrick wills at eight and cam Akers at 72 is good value but i don't see how you need acres with with Kenyon drake on the transition tag and with a, a head coach in in cliff kingsbury who can clearly get a lot out of less talented running backs he's got a good running scheme a good run design there so i don't see the need for the pick with acres especially when you have so many needs on defense 
And then when you go to fill the needs on defense, I don't, I don't love James Lynch as a player. I think he's all hustle, not a lot of skill, which means he's a good depth guy, but he's not going to win a starting job. Reggie Floyd really struggled this past season. He's, his stock went way down throughout the course of the year. James Smith Williams is a, a, a project. He's a lot more of a could be than it is right now. And so I, I don't think you're getting anything out of him in year one either. And then you grab a punter with your last pick. So Arizona's a tough one for me to get behind. Uh, the Baltimore trade up the four for Isaiah Simmons is totally nuts. I don't know who's manning the controls there. That was insane. No need to do that. Baltimore's in a good spot. You don't need to be mortgaging a whole draft for one player. All it takes is, is one, God forbid, camp injury, and you just, you know, that's that's all your capital. Uh, the the Dallas draft doesn't make a lot of sense to me either. Raekwon Davis at 28. Uh, Davis could be had a lot later than that. And what y'all need is pass rush. And that's the problem is you can't get after the passer. You have run defending defensive tackles. Uh, so I think Davis is redundant. And then Austin Jackson uh, coming in, he's a, he's a tackle prospect through and through. So unless we're kicking Lyle Collins into guard, which there's no reason for us to be doing that. Uh, I don't see how Jackson sees starting time early either. Uh, so I, I like AJ Terrell. I like Devin Asiasi late a little bit, but the early picks for Dallas didn't make much sense to me at all. So those are a couple ones I struggled with. Yeah, the owner of the, the 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 Dallas Cowboys was was keen to point out that um, they obviously had um, Travis Frederick retire after they made like their second round picks, um, and it kind of would have changed the way that they would have done things knowing that because we oh, kind of started this timing wise. I got you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So what happened was they we started this after the first week of free agency, so that that had gone. All the major uh, trades and all the major news had gone. So, you know, he starts his draft and then he gets to the end of round two and then he gets the Travis Frederick as retired. That's why the Bengals, when they draft Von Bell, oh, sorry, they draft a safety and then um, and then Von Bell signed. That, that literally happened, I think, about 20 minutes after they made that pick. Unfortunate. <laughs> yeah, so there, there's a couple of, I think, um, that luckily there wasn't much news, so there wasn't a ton that changed, but there was sort of one or two that did. Um, sort of throw up Hinky. So yeah, for the for the Cowboys, that that definitely sort of played a hand into. They probably would have de- well, they would have definitely done things differently had they known uh, they needed to replace Fredericks. So Benjamin, do you have a draft grade for all thirty-two teams so that people you haven't mentioned can find out how they did? <laughs> yeah, I have a general one. You know what I mean? Like I I, I scoped them out real quick. I didn't look too deep into into the trades and the, and who was left on the board, but I know who I like and who I don't. You want me to just run down? Yeah, yeah just run that through for him. All right, so I didn't give anybody lower in a C minus because I'm nice. Uh, oh, I would have loved you to absolutely slate people. <laughs> nah, 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 nah. Not folks I don't know. If I knew you, maybe. Uh, so I, so, I know. You're fine to do it. Yeah. <laughs> Arizona, uh, C. Atlanta, B minus. Baltimore, C minus. Buffalo, A plus. Carolina, A minus. Chicago, B. Cincinnati, B. Cleveland, B. Dallas, C. Denver, A minus, Detroit, B plus, Green Bay, B plus, Houston, A minus, Indianapolis, B minus, Jacksonville, B minus, Kansas City, B, Las Vegas, A minus, Chargers, B plus, Rams, A minus, Dolphins, B, Minnesota Vikings, B, New England Patriots, B plus, New Orleans Saints, A minus, New York Giants, B+, New York Jets, A-, Philadelphia Eagles, B-, Pittsburgh Steelers, B-, San Francisco 49ers, A-, Seattle Seahawks, B-, 
Tampa Bay Buccaneers, B+. Tennessee Titans, C+. Washington Redskins, B-. Nice. Very, very consistent grading then. I think there'll be a lot of folks uh, pretty happy with their with their draft grades there. So uh, appreciate you taking the time. It's obviously a lot of picks to go through. It's not like a one, draft, one round or two rounds. So um, I really appreciate that. Just um, a couple of things from your perspective, obviously, uh, with this draft, you have a lot of grades and a lot of time spent in, in prospects. Is there, I mean, you've always said the Simmons pick was, was a bit wild in the trade-up, but on the whole of the draft, do you think there was any big winners, like big steals? And then obviously, were there some players in here that might have been perhaps over overdrafted like uh, in terms of their position and perhaps could have been gotten around later two rounds later yeah I think Henry Ruggs at 22 is wild for Minnesota that's the steal of the draft for me uh Ruggs is has got as good a shot as any wide receiver to end up being the first off the board come you know the actual draft here in April for him to be the third wide receiver off the board and to make it past Denver and Philadelphia and New York and Jacksonville is nuts, right? And that's that's really crazy. And in Minnesota, I mean, it's a huge pick for them. Uh, it, it it changes the game for them. I liked those opening picks, Caleb on Chase and Ruggs, so much. And then I saw AJ Green at eighty nine. I was like, oh dang, never mind. You know, what I mean? like I was that's a, that's 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 a big time overdraft for me. AJ Green's a, a UDFA on my board. Um, so the Vikings draft was up and down in that regards, but Ruggs stands out to me as one of the biggest deals in the draft. The guy who stands out as being overdrafted significantly, I brought up previously, but that's Raekwon Davis for, for Dallas. And I understand, like, trust me, I like Raekwon for what he is. I understand the appeal of Raekwon. I, I want Raekwon on my team. But there's a ceiling on Davis because he just does not have the physical quickness and explosiveness to be a, a pass rusher, a, a, a long-term three-down pass rusher. And accordingly, there's, there's just a ceiling on his projection that, like, when players like Ross Blacklock still on the board, Neville Gallimore still on the board, Justin Matibuki still on the board, those have to be players you look at earlier than Raekwon because of what they can bring as a pass rusher. So he was the one who stood out to me as the big reach. Ruggs stood out to me as the uh, as the big uh, value pick. Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> Why? No, I just because he went past Denver, and, and I obviously don't value him quite as high as Benjamin does. What yeah. don't you like about Ruggs? Yeah, that's what I mean. I should have yeah. taken him and and let Kinlaw go and and fill the hole elsewhere. I'm I'll be honest. I'm I'm not the biggest rugs guy. Um, so I have him four on my board. You um, called him the next Marquise Goodwin. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm just I I'm sorry. I've been burned too many times with speed guys and in, in drafts, and everybody gets excited. And I appreciate he's got a few traits that make him a little bit different, but uh, I just like the uh, you know. For me, I like Lamb. I like Judy better, uh, absolutely, and I and I like Jefferson better. I just think those guys oh, wow. have just got more. For me personally, um, they just seem to be more sticky prospects. I think Rugs is, I think Rugs in the right situation could be incredible. I no, also no, no, worry that he. No. Well, no, no, no. But I also think in the wrong the wrong situation, he'll be a Marquis Goodwin. He'll be another speedster, a John Ross, who will take three or four years to break out, and then when he does, it's always too late. Fair enough. Um, guys, what do you think to have Benjamin? <laughs> I, I'll put it to you this way. When you have a field stretcher to the caliber to which uh, like a Marquis Goodwin or a John Ross is, let alone a Brandon Cooks or a Tyree Killer or a John Brown, 
the effect that they have on the offense as a whole goes beyond what you can see on their stat sheet. So all mm-hmm. I got to do is put a player, a healthy rugs on the field. And that's going to change the foundation of your defensive approach. And it's going to allow me to do easier things on offense because of the speed that you have to respect. So Ruggs not only is a good route runner and good contested catches and physical and yak ability and he gets after it, he's got a hot motor. Simply when that four to eight steps foot on the field, I can now dictate coverages a lot easier. And that's, that makes all 11 on my team better, not just Ruggs. So he brings a lot of value that goes outside of the box score. That's fair. Yeah, no, I like that. I like that review a lot. Um, so Murph, quick uh, breaking news. The Bucks jerseys just dropped. What do you reckon? Uh, really happy with them. Uh, I love the red. It's a throwback to the more successful times. Uh, it's a slightly brighter red than the old um, than the old sort of Super Bowl winning era jerseys. Um, it's nice. The black lettering, the numbers are a lot uh, a lot cleaner, a lot nicer. I, I, it's just a it's just a really clean shirt. I, you know, you're never going to be amazingly wowed by it. I think people are more wowed by it because they don't suck. I think that's more that it just doesn't suck. So it's, it's good. Um, I think if you were to sort of put it in a competition 20 years from now and talk about the best jerseys, it probably would never get mentioned, but I do like it because it's just, it's different. It's fresh. It's just not crap, um, which is a win. Uh, the white Jersey, yeah, white Jersey. I, I, I just don't get excited about white jerseys. They, they don't excite me. They're just, they're boring. Um, sorry if you're a big white Jersey fan, like good luck to you. Um, and too much like the Falcons for me, which if you got a divisional rival wearing them, that's a bit weird. But I love the pewter color rush. I think that's it's beautiful. It's unlike anything out there. It's you can't say they've they've stolen that from somewhere. Like it's it's amazing. It's uh, it's completely different. It's unique. A little bit of orange on there. Did a little nod of the creamsicle. I yeah, I'm a big fan of, of that jersey in particular. You know, if it's not going for 150 pounds, then and if you can get one, then I, I definitely will. Uh, <laughs> might get might have to get two because you know obviously i've got to get a brady shirt but i also said i'd get a vs shirt because i absolutely love the guy so there might be two jerseys coming my way when all this is said and done man drops in some bombs over there yeah <laughs> so um back to benjamin because he's uh clearly uh uh, done an amazing job going through our, our draft if you are listening to this and you didn't know we've done this um on the website we'll put a link in the show notes you can go back and read the whole uh, seven round uh, mock draft and you can see every pick and see what we've been talking about probably should have done that at the beginning and said you should have stopped read that and then listened to this but um, you can get the full details of how your team uh, went on there if you missed all of that for whatever reason but moving just slightly into the 2020 draft Benjamin because it's it is obviously going virtual um, does that what what you know it's sort of a, a somebody watches the tape and and analyzes where players are going to go. Do you think that everything that's going on in the world is going to massively impact the draft? Not necessarily the event itself, because that's pretty obvious, but is there going to be players that are going to be taken in very different positions this year because they've not done the medicals and, and there's other things going on in the interviews? I mean, how do you think it's all going to shake up? Certainly. Everybody's got their theory and nobody actually knows because we ain't never done this before. You know, uh, this is as unprecedented as it gets now. What you will expect to see is teams will develop a strategy, push the strategy, and they won't be the same across the board. Some teams will go conservative. They'll pick exclusively seniors who they've done a year or so worth of background info on, who they met at the senior bowl. They'll trade out of 2021 for 20, or they'll trade out of 2020 for 2021 picks. And they'll 
look to focus on other drafts in which they feel like they have more certainty and a wider pool of players. Other teams will do the exact opposite. They'll acknowledge that there's a market inefficiency because some teams don't feel prepared for this draft. They'll rely on their scouting staffs. They'll make a ton of picks. They'll accumulate a ton of capital and they'll spend it all this year thinking that there's going to be high value juniors and guys with injury concerns much later in the draft than they usually are. If you can even hit on one or two, well then the other one's busting doesn't really matter. You just significantly improved your roster. So we don't know. There's going to be gambits. There's going to be strategy. We'll be able to figure out after, you know, the first couple of rounds, who's kind of going which way. Things are going to be weird. There's no doubt that things are going to be odd and no one knows how to prepare well for this. The small schoolers who won't get there, testing numbers out you feel awful for them like that's that's the biggest thing is those guys being a UDFA and having good numbers to stand on and having face-to-face meeting with meetings with teams is so important to getting that first camp invite that everything else from there is in your hands and they're potentially losing out on that that's the toughest part for me in terms of the strat it's just going to be you know teams figuring it out as they go some will be aggressive some will be conservative yeah I, I, I mean like you said never seen it before um, I can't help but feel that your guys' mocks and analysis is almost more important because I feel like it's going to be more accurate because it's just watching tape. That's effectively all you've had and a few conference calls and, you know, the combine. But effectively, it's everything you've seen. There's not the things that you don't see that could happen and change people's opinions other than the interviews. And I can't help but feel that this might be more, uh, this is a prediction, I guess, on my side, is I think that this year might be more closer to the mocks and more closer to the analysis that you guys put out because that's you're seeing the same things. There isn't a lot of difference, and I think it's going to be fairly similar. Whereas I know that, that you always get a surprise player who jumps up and a player who falls, and it happens every year. We always have someone who's a big faller, and it's always down to, uh, a medical defect that comes out late or, um, you know, a character issue. You know, I think Darius Geis should never have been as late as he was, but, you know, obviously he's not really panned out. But, you know, for the talent alone and those sorts of things, I don't think you're going to see those many swings this year. I don't, I don't know what you think to that. I think that, yes, we're going to rely more on tape watchers, but also I think we're going to learn how different tape watchers can be. You know what I mean? Like it's not as if everybody watches tape and comes away with the prospect on mm. the same value let alone the same evaluation, right? And so teams are going to rely on their scouts. Teams are going to rely on the guys who put in the hours in the film room, and they're going to be prepared to, to recommend players. But there's still going to be dis, uh, debates and disagreement. There's still going to be overdrafts and underdrafts because people are going to watch tape differently. Awesome. Do you think there is a draft scenario in, in likely or even remotely possible that Joe Burrow isn't the number one pick? Or is this the biggest sort of consensus number one we've had in the last – I don't know, 10 years or so. I mean, like not in the last 10 years, but the Bengals have liked Burrow more than Tua since before Tua even got hurt. And now Tua's hurt. So there's the whole like, oh, there's some of them who like Justin Herbert. I'm sure there are because they scouted him in the summer and they liked him, but it's Burrow. And I would be absolutely flabbergasted if it were anything else. And then in terms of draft night for you, you guys do, um, you did the event last year. Um with TDN is that a similar thing you'll be doing this year obviously it'd be more challenging remotely or what is your plans for for the draft nights and and the rest of the draft how are you going to be watching it or or doing things for it 
that cannot yet be revealed i'm afraid oh yeah no we have stuff in the works because obviously we we usually do a live show uh on location that's not available to us this year um but we'll be making an announcement fairly soon as to the new plan so you just have to keep your eyes peeled for that man oh i will be don't worry (laughs) (laughs) i'm excited for that um i'm still yet to decide what i'm going to do for the draft last year i uh was in a fairly new job um so felt it important to go to work um and so i taped the draft and then watched it the morning having turned off all of the notifications and absolutely everything and then i was i was texting stocks and i was live reacting (laughs) and he's like yeah i know i've seen this (laughs) and i was like oh my god fans gone to the broncos what's going on um i don't know what i'm going to do this year with covid and I tell you what, I tell you what I'm doing. I am watching the damn thing because I am not at work. <laughs> well, yeah. Although childcare that day is gonna be harder. Nah, um, that'd be fine. <laughs> Benjamin, it's been a lot of fun. I have one one final question um for you. Um, and that simply is can you give us a really, really spicy hot take for this 2020 NFL draft? Uh, if I were the Redskins, I'd draft Jeffrey Akuda too over Chase Young. Whoa. Ooh. really they for me okuda is graded as a blue chip prospect chase young is graded as a blue chip prospect they have no corners no starters right now they got fuller who's a slot they got jimmy moreland who's also a slot they got baby moreau who used to play the slot and is now backup um and they've got montez sweat ryan kerrigan ryan anderson i know is on a contract year kerrigan they might want to cut but they don't need young nearly as badly as they'd need Akuda, and for me they're equivalent graded players so Akuda would make more sense to solving their immediate problems and so do you think they're going to do that or is there no, a chance, no chance. Like... they're taking chase young this is ron rivera you know what i mean like he's going to take in the trenches but if i were if it were me i would at least strongly consider the option yeah okay uh, that's fair enough i'm annoyed i wrote a mock draft last night because i would have loved to have slid that in before publishing the podcast <laughs> Can't steal someone else's idea. No, I would have credited him and said, "Listen to the podcast." <laughs> I wouldn't have stealing, stolen Benjamin's idea. No, fair I, enough. I do like it though. I do like it, Benjamin. Man, this has been a whole boatload of fun. We really appreciate you coming on. Would you like to let Rush Notion know where they can find your podcast and all about the TDN? Sure. Yeah. So if you are looking to be a draft fan, if you are a draft fan, you don't know thedraftnetwork.com at the Draft Network on Twitter. There are the spots uh, for the Draft Network. As the guys alluded to, uh, myself and another TDNer, Trevor Sikaba, host the Lock on NFL Draft podcast, which you can find on any app podcasts. Are we cover the, the NFL Draft 365? So we have a good time. This is obviously our heyday right now. We're in the middle of our own respective beat mock, where we have uh, beat writers for each individual team come answer some questions about their team and make a pick in a mock draft for us. That's going on. It's a, it's a fun episode. Uh, I believe they, they uh, we referred to it earlier, but anyway. Uh, that's that's my pod. That's the draft network for you know mock draft simulator for all of our draft articles for our live coverage as well. That's the spot, man. It's the time of the year. Tis the season. Don't forget the premium plug as well. Oh yeah, give me your money. Uh, <laughs> and if you do, I will give you ac- access to the TDN Expert Forum and uh, trades in the mock draft machine. Our portfolio content, which is all now being released upon you in a deluge in the month of April, including my contextualized quarterbacking and Kyle's prospectus and all of our team-specific draft guides. Those are all available to you with premium as well. Uh, so if you go to the draftnetwork.com backslash TDN hyphen premium, you'll be able to see the full offering there. If you have any questions, I'm on Twitter at Benjamin Solak. You can always hit me up. 
Absolutely. And plus you you and, and Trevor and the gang are all on the Slack channel you get access to as well. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah, which is that expert forum's a lot of fun. It's a it's a lot of fun. So uh there's been a few mocks I've been in as a part of being part of that. <laughs> it's been a bit wild uh <laughs> being on the clock and it, it's been hosting American stuff. So it's been a lot of fun. This this has been incredible. I've um absolutely loved this episode. Would love you to come back on again well after the draft is settled and you've uh, had some well deserved rest um and we can yeah. sort of reflect and, and look at it but it's been a real pleasure to have you on i appreciate it fellas and thanks for having me i'll be sure to hit you back up definitely amazing love that thanks benjamin for coming on murph as always big man this has been a lesson in life and football and i might speak to you later on in the week rush nation you might hear from us you might not covid dependent but as always don't forget keep rushing entitled to sexual health, just as much as physical and mental health. We want to make it easier for folks to find resources. However they engage with us, there's no wrong door. So it's important that people are able to get access to care that is affirming. Talking about what their sex life is, about their concerns, and to make sure they're healthy. Do it for them. Do it for you, Montgomery County. Your sexual health matters. Visit doitforyoumc.org. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 